0: Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York. Unfortunately, Chelsea isn't going to be joining us today. We love her. We miss her. We find it hard to live without her, but we get it. She's a busy lady doing busy lady things. And speaking of busy ladies, we've got Emily Higgins on with us today. She is a writer, director, actress. You do everything, Emily. And that's impressive as hell. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I don't act though. <laughs> I appreciate IMDb it. IMDB has
0: you listed as an actress.
1: Oh, you know, that's more like helping friends out in the background. <laughs> like being in the back. But that, um, that counts.
0: Yeah, okay, opinion.
1: fine. I'll I'll roll with it. Um,
0: as, uh, as, <laughs> as someone who's done some background work and, and my day job is set dressing and props, it's like, okay.
1: Oh, um, wow.
0: You know, let me me create a character for whatever it is I'm doing, which is just walking down the street or in a museum or whatever, just to amuse myself for the hours and hours and hours and hours on set.
1: Uh, Absolutely. It's weird how when the camera's rolling and then you say, okay, you're walking from here to here. Mm -hmm. Suddenly walking becomes a very strange (laughs) activity or, you know, you're holding a book or whatever. It can Uh, become...
0: And I, I'm I was, on the
1: other side of it too. You
0: know? I was on a TV show one time and the PA comes up like, okay, you're definitely going to be on camera. Can you walk like that as many times as we need you to? I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm done. And then I spend the rest of the day in the hot sun. Uh, I was told by the props department, I was a drug dealer and they gave me little Ziploc bags. So that was the day that in my mind, I sold real R-E-E-L drugs
1: on a <laughs> Brooklyn
0: street next to real R-E-A-L rat feces. Anyway, show oh, no! <laughs> oh
1: my gosh, that's, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> so I, I, I saw your movie, uh, sorry about the demon. Uh, I read about you in Fangoria and you are fascinating to be honest with you so where does your love of horror begin where, where is there a specific moment film that really said oh this is the fun stuff this is what I want to dive into the deep end of
1: yeah I I think like it, it is always interesting where people <clears throat> start that love of, of horror because there, there are some people that have that kind of like adrenaline seeking like oh I started when I was five I was watching the craziest things I could buy, you know I love you know these things and I had such a vivid imagination that I was scared of absolutely everything I was scared of Halloween I was scared of uh Chuck E. Cheese the the place and the and the rats uh and and just kind of everything that was that my imagination could run with I'd get really uh scared by it and then kind of one of the first horror movies I ever saw uh, was a, a an Australian zombie comedy called undead which uh, strangely also became available on shutter the same month as our movie so i thought that was really cool serendipitous um series of events because that movie really inspired me just to hear people kind of like laughing and having fun with it as well as i I was pretty scared because it was one of the first horror movies i had seen and um, I just thought, what a, an incredible audience experience to be on board, and it's like an independent film, so it's okay to be an independent film, and people will still like it. You don't need like huge A-list talent to make a good horror movie, and um, so this kind of aspect of comedy and funness introduced me <laughs> into uh, into horror, and so when you know I started getting into like oh here's some like really scary horror here's some lighthearted horror and like exploring the genre once I developed an interest in it but the interest had to spark with something that wasn't entirely scary but just a really good communal experience and um and then and then I started to go from there and I think all the horror I've done since then has a little bit of a goofiness (laughs) to it because I think that's where the love started
0: um the stuff I've seen certainly doesn't yeah that is that nice Mix, uh, speaking of someone that's done a horror themed improv show for years, um, that that is a good way to like kind of get somebody to feel like that tightness, uh, from the scare and then the relaxation, uh, from the laugh. It's, it's, are we tricking our audiences into working out without really noticing it? (laughs) (laughs) We're having their bodies clench and unclench.
1: there is um i keep bringing up this book because i've been thinking about it a lot lately It's about um it's called uh, a nervous person's guide to horror movies but it, it's interesting because i don't feel like a nervous person maybe would pick up this book um and uh It'd probably be it, a it, it, <laughs> yeah. and um it talks about um one of those things that's like kind of just like burning calories watching horror movies it's kind of a a good thing it kind of talks it kind of debunks these ideas that like horror movies are bad for society or they're gonna like corrupt you or break your brain and stuff like that it kind of just debunks each one of these points and not trying to say like you have to watch horror movies but really just a lot of things that had been explored previously were about like how horror and this, this genre could be bad for society because that's kind of what was more likely to be explored not really the good side of it and so that's what the book goes into And it's a really cool little book, it's, it's very short but um, it did talk a little bit I believe, I, I think I read it in that book <laughs> now I'm questioning it because it's been a couple months but um, about just kind of you do burn calories watching a horror movie but horror and comedy both you know, they do the, the setup and the punchline, and so I feel like these are genres that really do go hand in hand but they're also very subjective. Someone's sense of comedy might be wildly different from their sense of horror. So, you know, it's, it is it is something where you create a very, very specific movie every time you make a horror comedy because you take these very specific sensibilities and mash them together. So, uh, you know, it's not going to work for everybody, but hopefully you find that audience that it works for. I,
0: I find it's very much like chocolate and peanut butter. Like, you know, it's just the ratios that people need to get yes. It into.
1: Yes, that's great. You should yeah. patent that idea can I Yeah, I'll no, I don't know yeah <laughs> well I guess that um they've made some similar snacks before but it's a good uh you know comparison I think that that ratio I think that's that's a really good way of thinking of it
0: yeah my my, my go-to uh snack at crafty is uh, go make a peanut butter sandwich put some Nutella in there and you're good
1: mm, that that sounds great. Great. I,
0: call, I call that the crafty special um <laughs> Also, reading about you in Fangoria, you started making films at a very young age. Yeah. So what? As a kid, that I it would never occur to me that that's something that I would be capable of. So, what is it about you that makes you? I don't know. Fearless, tenacious. Whatever word ending in S that just makes you realize, <laughs> hey, I could do that, and I'm gonna right.
1: Um, i I think at the time uh, when I was growing up where in Austin, I grew up in Austin, uh, there was a lot of um, you know a lot of really great film events and and great film programming. So if you had an interest in watching movies, which I did uh, before I was interested in making movies, there were a lot of different types of things you could see, not just what was available first run in the theater. so I was watching. Uh, just weirder movies and uh, and getting to just meet people that were interested in the independent film scene in Austin and so my introduction wasn't really like oh you go to summer camp or you take a film class it was like do you want to get on set of this independent film that's filming and you just you know kind of PA and learn what a movie set is like or uh, make some fake blood for us and I'm like nine ten years old and um, and my mom's you know there to, to drive me and make sure no one's being weird or anything you know. (laughs) and so she's just very you know my mom and I had this very open uh you know kind of friendship where she really supported oh you want to make some things well let's figure out how to do it and uh but never my parents were very adamant about never doing anything for me if I wanted to edit something or learn how to do something I had to I had to learn it and um and then and also like didn't grow up very you know wealthy or anything so it it was very much like a like boots on the ground kind of learning experience watching a lot of movies and then kind of getting on these sets. So my idea was, um, oh, well, you learn by making this stuff. And I wasn't really, uh, I was getting on the set to these feature films and I thought you just, you make a feature film at well, you know, when you're learning experience. And, and then it just became what I thought I should do. But I, I think I got this great advice from, uh, did you hear about those guys that made the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark like adaptation where they shot it, shot it for shot and they yeah, were, I heard about they were that teenagers. One. Yeah. I went to go see that when I was, uh, my mom and I went to go see that when I was about 10 and and asked a question, you know, what advice would you have to kids that want to do what you did? And they said, you know, to kind of persevere and don't let people tell you what you can't do. You know, your own, you know, like passion and just because you're a kid doesn't mean, you know, that changes. And so I really took that to heart and just kind of kept going and there were trials and it was very difficult. And, um, and then we just—I just kind of—I finished it. <laughs> and then once I had finished that first film, I knew this was something that I really felt passionate about, and I wanted to keep doing. And once you kind of get past that benchmark, then it's like, uh, you know, you just you just keep keep going as long as you enjoy it. And um, and and that was uh, that was kind of how it went. That movie actually just got a release from the American Genre Film Archive, the AGFA. And so it had never been released. My parents and I, like you know, if anyone wants to see it, we just mailed them a DVD. They just sent us like ten bucks to like produce the DVD, something like that. And we were just mailing them out of the garage, like Girl Scout cookies for like a lot of my my youth. And then, um, but it's, it just feels like it found this really special home with Agfa because they really appreciate this these odd. It doesn't feel like anyone was making fun of a movie made by a kid. It feels like they liked it for what it was and <laughs> put it out in the world. And and I feel just incredibly honored that they. Um, but then it's in their catalog now. It's just a cool thing uh, that just happened uh, last year.
0: That's, that's very cool. That's a very kind of punk rock way about doing things. And <laughs> you mentioned growing up in Austin. So as someone with more knowledge of Austin than I have, um, who invented Frito Pie and how can I thank them personally?
1: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> I was there oh. in December with my lady and we had heard about it and we took a shot and we tried it. And I am not the same person I was before having Frito pie.
1: Where did you get it?
0: Um, we got it at this uh, this barbecue place that was like, it was outdoors. It was a truck. It's in a brewery. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of it, but they made it with beef cheek. Um, oh. And wow. we, also, we also had some at a bar called Mean-Eyed Cat. Uh, and that was not as good as this place that uh blew my mind and I wish I could remember it but like it was cool it was cool but the beef cheek and I'm like well I I'm different now and wow and 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 I'm seeing things and I feel like I need to hug someone or bow (laughs) to them
1: it's a great mm -hmm. yeah I feel like it would be on the I want to say on the school lunch menu <laughs> that was a very classic staple and uh and then also i would get frito pie at the skate rink and i'd have like a like a snow cone and a frito pie and i'd skate around for hours and like how did i not get violently sick? just all the time how, how, um, do you,
0: how do you not end up sticky and like a mess roller skating with frito pie and snow cone <laughs>
1: I feel like uh, I I do recall it being a sticky.
0: <laughs> yes, it, it seems like it would be. I'm like. Mm-hmm.
1: but uh, That's what when I think of Frito pie, I have the distinct taste of a like lemon lime snow cone as well in my mind.
0: <laughs> um, when, but... when I go back to Austin, I'm going to I'm going to see if I can get some Frito pie with a snow cone chaser.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's gross, but uh, a staple <laughs> of my childhood. <laughs> um, but yeah.
0: But it's worth a shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I I feel like Austin does have, especially if you're in the summer, great cooling dessert. I can I recommend a good snow cone to you next time you're you're in Austin. But uh, I I don't know where to get a good frito pie. I mean, I wouldn't say that the the skate rink frito pie was especially <laughs> appetizing. I don't know if I'd recommend that. But uh, definitely could recommend some good ice cream and snow cones for the Austin experience
0: that's that would be helpful i don't know if i'll ever get there in the summer um i liked going in december it was very chill it was relaxing it was just getting out of new york and you know doing the fun weird stuff and then my girlfriend likes hiking and going to nature and going to national parks and getting stamps because she's into goal oriented fun Um, And then we go to the record stores and I hurt my credit card. That's how we've (laughs) lasted as long as we have. Um, But unbeknownst to me, I first saw your work uh, in the first uh, segment of Scare Package, the horror anthology. And it was fantastic. How did you get involved with that production?
1: Yeah, I... um, uh... I, I just had met those, the producers the main team that that assembled that movie and they liked the idea i brought to the table for their at the time it was called tropes so we were exploring different horror tropes and um so i chose like the yeah like somebody at yeah. the movie that's trying now, to figure what, out it was called tropes
0: was that your segment or the the project and the
1: project that i think the genesis of the idea was that it was all about different horror tropes and so the trope i had chosen was like um just somebody that's like just igniting like the series of events that leads to the horror movie but they're never the main character they're just somebody that that opens the movie and um and then that became that they really liked the character and they, they started to incorporate him into the rest of the into the rest of the film and um I think they want to bring him back for more scare packages. Uh, i'm not I'm not spoiling anything because i heard I heard them talking about that on another podcast, so I'm not not breaking news or anything. But it was really fun to kind of see how they ran with his characters throughout the rest of their kind of meta ideas with the movie. And it was cool to see how other people interpreted the the meta um, aspect. but it was it was really, you know, just kind of like we gelled on the idea and and the character. and um It was really a great time, and it was a great way for me. I was doing a lot of, I did some horror projects, and then I kind of started to veer into teen movies because I like teen coming of age movies. And even Sorry About the Demon has a kind of coming of age aspect to it, and uh, it's technically an adult. My only movie with adults in it, and I'm like, I'm never going back to teenagers, but all my scripts have teenagers. So well, well, well,
0: you've (laughs) got your your main character uh, who has some immaturity to him, so it's it's almost teen like in his uh personal stuntedness of will is that yeah yeah, well. yeah. so he's, he's yeah. A, a, a baby man if he would as i've heard <laughs> some of those people be, get called
1: yeah and so to me well i wanted to explore this idea well i'll get i'll finish up about scare package it was a. Uh, it was, it was really a fun time to get back into horror from the teen space and, and especially horror comedy, cause that's the space I want to work in, uh, all the time. <laughs> it was my favorite combo. It's where I started, it's where my love of horror started. And, um, and so it was really just a cool way to get back into that and to work with them. And, and then that kind of led us into getting, um, sorry about the Demon Maid because it was the same producers that, that created Scare Package and, uh, same actor and, and me. And so it was kind of like this, this, little uh I said package again. This is this other, you know, kind of like um offshoot of what we had done with our scare package segment as uh as as the feature film. And um even though the script had been written before I <laughs> I did the scare package segment and uh so it was an interesting way for it all to come back around. Um and and yes i think like one thing i want to explore with the movie this is what i was starting to say (laughs) was that uh when you're in your 20s you're not physically growing the way you are as a teenager but you don't really feel you feel kind of stuck between adulthood and that youth and so i was really trying to avoid you know a man child that was you know unsympathetic and we were really mm-hmm. trying to find the right balance between somebody that needed to grow that didn't really feel like an adult yet but wasn't adult, but wasn't also like just so miserable and resisting <laughs> like you, you know just where you're just not enjoying the journey with them you know that's that's the goal you know <laughs> you can't please everybody but um uh i i just really wanted to explore this idea of being technically in your 20s but not feeling like you're an adult at least at the beginning of the movie and, and finding that journey.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, us guys, we need a good <laughs> kick in the ass. Uh, so, sometimes, uh, sometimes it takes a, a traumatic experience and uh, living in a house with ghosts and demons will do it. And uh, one of the first things I noticed about your movie and it got me hooked immediately was the tone in delivering a lot of the jokes reminded me of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, in that oh, cool. you're saying something so ridiculous, and, and 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 definitely something that I do in improv, but in that moment, everybody is yes-ending it, believing it. It makes so much sense for that character at that time. Um, I believe it's it's when the the sun shows up with the baseball bat, like, I'm gonna knock the door down. Like, no, you're the worst person on the team. You're not going to knock this door down to <laughs> save his, you know, possibly possessed little sister, and, and it just, just that. It doesn't feel like tongue in cheek or breaking the fourth wall in the way. It's like no, that's the universe where this happens. People are quippy and strap in, and get along for this ride. Um, how do you get your actors to deliver it in that way that makes it fit so well? Or, or were you conscious? of how you wanted it to sound.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a really astute observation because um, I really do believe in that. The, a lot of jokes are funny. If it's serious to the person saying it, but they're not in on the joke and they're not winking at the camera. Like, I mean, it makes sense for something like Scare Package because it's like a meta. <laughs> they want to wink at you. Like, that's the idea and that's intentional. But for a lot of comedies, um, especially horror comedies, I think that the situation, I, what I like is that the situation is crazy, but they are believing it. And th- therefore we're along for the, the journey as well. Um, but I mean, this script has some of the just weirdest things I've ever <laughs> written into, but that are, that are from uh you know place of honesty like just like kind of every aspect of it comes from something that i'm either real life scared of or like that i just thought would be a fun thing oh, to okay, um explore okay. like um i was always afraid of like going to the dentist as a kid and that's kind of incorporated <laughs> into a lot of the plot points of this movie that uh, makes sense,
0: that makes sense. well not just the... of the
1: dentist but oh. but of like my teeth rotting I guess like that was always a fear of mine and so I, I thought that was also like a funny fear of mine so just like exploring it through characters that are that take it very seriously but is therefore funny because of how serious it is to them
0: well I I, I I'm glad that you bring that up because yeah that is that is a, a legitimate fear and Patrick played by Jeff, McQuilty? Yeah, Jeff McQuitty right. yeah McQuitty yeah um he's telling that story of his plaque infected rotten tooth made me believe it made me believe that yep yeah, this is a problem this is gross this is a legitimate concern to your mopey friend who's lamenting the end of his relationship but also telling you the unbelievable story about ghosts and demons
1: <laughs> right and oh god sorry
0: it's a it's a great balancing of, uh, <laughs> of, the re- and of the realism and the comedy, and even the romance. is someone who doesn't really like the stereotypical romantic comedies, and by that, I mean, here's the person who is looking for love and they're gonna fall down a lot, I don't know why, uh, in their <laughs> search of it, only to realize it was in front of them the whole time.
1: Right. <laughs> um, one thing, uh, and, and another aspect about the the performances is that and this is also like a it's a choice and not everyone will be into it but um the main four characters uh will and patrick and the and, the, and yeah, the two amy, and, and amy yeah. <laughs> which which comes from you know i'm self-conscious about having the two lead women both be named amy but I do always like to say this comes from a place of honesty for me because my name is Emily. There's always another Emily in the room and I was always Emily H. And I always felt like the other Emily, like not Emily number one. And so this is something that got incorporated into the story. And because of course other people in the world exist with your name and, and kind of what does that mean to you? But the main core characters are, um, uh, you know, they're growing and they're learning. And then therefore this family that's introduced at the beginning when you mentioned the baseball bat, Um, they're not growing, they're not learning things, they are, they are kind of bad guys, or at least the parents, you know, the whole time, because they, they kind of refuse to grow and learn. So they kind of come across a little bit more like cartoony. And it's a little bit part of the choice of who would make a decision like this to like allow somebody to live in their haunted house as a sacrifice. (laughs) So just, you know, and that's part of the, the idea of like what it looks, how ridiculous it looks like when you refuse to grow and change as a person versus these grounded actors. And that was something that kind of came out of um, who was cast in the movie and how that, that, that turned out with their choices because I found that the main four were a lot more grounded than what I had written I everyone was a little cartoony and scripts and then they just found ways of really grounding their relationships and their friendships and that really something that started to grow you know like how do we this is really going to separate the family and how ridiculous they are from the main characters and what can that symbolize if we run that way and so um that's kind of what it became of like because that was kind of the whole point of the movie is is kind of growing into into yourself like you know represented by the conflict with these ghosts and demons and all that but um did you say something else (laughs) about is i remember we said jeff (laughs) and then specifically
0: i don't don't remember but i get it as much as growth is important moving is hard and when you've paid (laughs) a lot for a home it's kind of like, oh man! Yes, <laughs> you, exactly. He, he offered Diomeneus uh, to live in the basement, and I must admit, since watching this film, I am quoting my favorite line constantly. Diomeneus loves nerds all the time. <laughs> it's just a tone; it's stuck. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned a lot of other real things. Uh, or a lot of other situations in this movie were things you're actually afraid of. So um, what were some of them? And my favorite scare was when uh, one of the ghosts reaches out of the oven and tries to grab someone. I thought that was fantastic. But yeah, what were some of the other things that you're like, oh, this scares me. Let me put in my script.
1: Yeah, I mean, the teeth thing, that was a big part of, and and also I was watching a lot of the, Like the Great British Bake show at the time. And I really have to be careful when I'm watching if I'm writing at the same time because it will somehow manifest into the script. And so that's where all the cakes came from, of course. Uh and and like thinking about those real fears. Um, I am pretty scared of haunted houses. Like in like a like a house of torment style, like where you go and um they jump out at you. I can't I can't handle that at all. Like I love a good horror movie. I would rather watch forty eight hours straight of of the, the scariest movie the, going to one of those houses. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I it's fine it. if they let you
0: know, okay, they're not going to touch you. Because then you know they're just going to jump out. So once that's there, you can like disarm them by going, I love you. And that really takes them <laughs> off their game.
1: That's a good strategy. I haven't tried that. I, I just have that very strong like jack-in-the-box fear of like just the wind up and the, the dread of them popping out and it's like it doesn't affect me the same way watching a movie but in Mm -hmm. real life I feel like I'm gonna pass out.
0: (laughs) I I was in a haunted house in Gatlinsburg Tennessee and I'm just going through and it's me and another couple and the 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 person in front is like everybody put their hand on the shoulder in front of the person on the person in front of you and Mm -hmm. just walk through and I out of my peripheral, I see somebody coming up behind us. And I just let the couple know, I'm like, hey, there's somebody coming up behind us. Don't freak out when he makes a noise. It's going to be great. And I think I just disarmed him and he went away and never jumped out
1: at us. <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, I'm really glad to hear that the ovens uh, scare, I guess, um, stuck with you because um, we actually built the whole set. Part of the kind of making the movie during COVID was that we had this opportunity to go to Canada and build the set in the atrium of this hotel. And so it was all, the whole house was built there and and kind of all the side locations were also built throughout the hotel. And then we all stayed in the hotel. So it was like this little COVID bubble. You just like rolled out of bed and set was right there. It was great. It's important to keep
0: things safe during a pandemic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, and that was something I was super concerned about and, you don't want anyone's health or safety ever being risked for any reason, <laughs> and so uh, it was. Um, you know, it was a really cool way to do it, and especially as an independent film, you don't really get that opportunity very often. And the hotel wasn't really hosting as many conferences and stuff at the time, so they were more open to these film film shoots coming in. They also shot VHS ninety four right before us in the same kind of situation. And, and simultaneously to us, they were shooting and they were on the other side of the hotel, but we weren't supposed to like intermingle. <laughs> and uh, so it was really cool to kind of have this hotel film studio situation. and. And it was like kind of being in a summer camp, but because we, we had built the whole set, we were able to do these really cool things. And so many of the shots go a little bit unnoticed where we cut a hole in the wall, the camera just kind of goes through a wall and it just is a transition to the next scene and you don't really notice it, but it was something we worked really hard on you know, for just one one or two seconds. And, but one thing we were able to do was cut a hole in the back of that oven and so that the actor could fit in there. And then we also shot a few scenes from the perspective of the oven for somebody cake.
0: Things, I, I, I did really notice cute. that earlier in the movie. I'm like, you're, you're getting the view from inside the oven, which doesn't happen often. And, you know, being familiar with sense, I'm like, no, somebody had to build that, put the camera in there, put the cake, and then you come out and you've had the kitchen in the background. I'm like, this is really, really impressive. I dig that. And I wonder, would I also dig it working on a set on a Long day? And then it's like, okay, we're wrapped. And then you just go back to your room and you get to lie down and you don't have that commute home, which sometimes really, really sucks. When you're leaving a stage in Brooklyn that tech, that's technically only 12 miles from your home, but it still takes an hour and a half.
1: Oh, my God. So is. <laughs> yeah. Not all it's yeah. cracked up to be, folks. <laughs> It was, you know, the, the tricky thing because we, you know, always shot during the day because it was all in the set and, um, I but I realized I just started to get you know you're supposed to fill out this questionnaire every day and and I just started to feel like my sinuses were flaring up and my throat was feeling scratchy and I was like oh my god I hope I don't have COVID oh this is the worst and I realized I hadn't gone outside in like four days because I had this like fake daylight and um and and I was just like breathing a lot of like I had a you know mask but like sawdust and like you know all these things that were about so I just went outside and I came back I felt so much better and I was like oh that's what happens when you breathe real air you don't experience just fake sunlight for days and days it was almost like being on a spaceship
0: and effects chemicals and other detritus from the film sets speaking of which what kind of negotiations do you have to have with your cast members before you tell them, okay, today we're covering you in goo goo muck from the hell pit in the
1: basement. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was a it was an ordeal um, because it was very cold and um, the, the the goo wasn't, you know, they got covered in the goo but it was cold outside. So it, was, it you know, became cold inside a little bit. And so once you've been covered for, you know it becomes a couple hours, it gets very, very cold. So they're just like keeping them in the, Bathroom heaters, like trying to like figure out ways to keep the actors warm, and it was it was you know we were getting stressed out because I we really want everyone to be comfortable, and especially you know just there's no you know amount of like great movie making, uh, and I put that in air quotes. So this is an audio (laughs) Uh, great you know, um, there's no amount of, of making a movie that that is worth anyone being like just crazy uncomfortable especially you know younger actors and stuff they were such good sports about it they were just you know but they were cold (laughs) and they had a good time overall I think but it was a little bit of a challenging day and uh it was I just really appreciate what good sports they were about it and we really tried our best to keep them warm and it was it was disgusting luckily the stuff came out of, of people's you know skin and clothes and hair uh for the most part but I mean the, the clothes is the most part uh, it didn't come out of everyone's clothes but they were they were costumes so it's fine
0: that, that's, skin that's, and hair
1: they were okay <laughs> that's why you
0: gotta have multiples for wardrobe but yeah everybody everybody goes on an award season with performances and what have you and it's a horror fan I don't really pay that a lot of mind because I've seen a lot of people just covered head to toe in goo goo muck and I'm like that's that's suffering for your art, because <laughs> then it's like okay, yes. okay, cut, turn around, and there you are, still covered in goo goo.
1: Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to just be done for five minutes for lunch break for, you know, for a camera reset. It's you're not really done. <laughs> you're I, still covered.
0: <laughs> I, I heard somewhere that while making Carrie, someone had to spray Sissy Spacek with a water bottle so she wouldn't stick to any surfaces that she leaned on
1: oh my gosh during, I can't imagine yeah she couldn't like sit down couldn't in, she or like during, she'd have
0: to <laughs> during the prom scene like even if you're just laying against leaning against the wall it's like and eh, I'm stuck
1: oh my gosh that's <laughs> that is such a I, I don't remember what what they did I know we covered a lot of this one you know kind of green room area with tarps and stuff Um, but there was a lot of yucky stuff (laughs) making its way onto various surfaces (laughs) uh, that were not the set, but, you know, we tried our best.
0: Cool. So the other thing that I noticed about, uh, sorry about the meme, and and I do like this in a lot of, uh, in my opinion, uh, better made horror, is that you're making us care about these characters. Um, Even though I do enjoy a lot of slasher things where it's like, here's some characters, we're not gonna develop them, don't get attached, they're not gonna be around for very long. As odd as the relationship, the romance in this film is, you're still making us kind of care and then there's sweet moments and then there's a reconciliation and then a demonic possession but how important is that for you to make these characters or what's your thinking when you're putting uh these characters on a page and going all right how do I flesh this out and not just make them be uh a bunch of words for somebody else to to figure out and make important
1: yeah I to me character comes first (laughs) and um because I think it's it goes the furthest and not wasting a viewer's time to see somebody go through something and to hopefully feel some of the things they feel. And, um, and then, you know, if some scares work, if some other, some jokes work, I'm happy. But if like, if there's a through line with the character, if you could take a scene from the movie and you know if it goes in the beginning, middle or end, because the character's going through things, that's the that's always my goal, um, with uh, with anything, <laughs> whether it's a team coming of age movie or a horror movie. And I think, I think horror movies are it's just it's my favorite genre. I love horror so much. And I think outside of horror fans, there's this perception that horror movies, oh, it's just a bunch of people waiting to get killed off, you know, which isn't true. But
0: no, there, uh, there, I think there are many, but the, the, the ones that really yeah. tug at the heartstrings are like oh, I'm going to care about this person, and then when something awful happens to them, I'll feel bad.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean, and I Or when they
0: overcome that's... something, I'll feel ex- exhalation, and jubilation, something yeah. in the T-I-O-N.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's like, I, I think it's just a perception, a perceived generalization about horror, is that it, it doesn't always have the strongest characters but I think uh that all, all the great horror movies have great characters <laughs> and um and but just across the board no matter what genre of, of movie I'm I'm making uh I just want the characters to be going through something that that I believe in that I can connect with the performers on and that they can make their own and um and just I just think good characters it's just how you I love making movies to connect with just over themes and ideas and the human experience. And I think the way to do that is through characters and, um, and with their relationship. And I mean, it kind of, it's a little bit, I'm going to say something a little spoilery, but I really want to keep, I wanted to keep it a little open-ended because I just don't, I don't personally think those characters should end up together at the end. But I also think there's this romantic comedy aspect um, to to the to the movie, so I wanted them to end on good terms. But you know, they're not living together anymore, and, I, and it's just a little bit of a—you don't really know if they're like together or not. Mm-hmm. But they're uh, not that's... in a bad place, and that's that's the growth. And um so, you know, I I, I think that, that that's you know what what I was thinking about in terms of the the relationship, and they they have a connection. They have they do have a romantic interest in each other, but where they end up at the end, is not it's up to interpretation.
0: That, that, that is a very good point. I was about to say that. You don't explicitly state if there's still a couple at the end of the film, or if they're just, if they have grown enough as adults, it's like, okay, we, we dated, we've seen each other naked, but we can be cool about it <laughs> and be friends. And this is our little circle of friends that were here for each other. And speaking about the end of the movie and leaving things open-ended, what are the chances of a sequel? Because <laughs> uh, again, child of the eighties, I, I love a good franchise.
1: <laughs> hey, that would be that would be a cool thing to do, <laughs> but not in my hands. Okay, <laughs> okay. I would well, do it. I would do it. All
0: right, you, you you got some ideas kicking around? If someone says, "Hey, let's let's uh, let's go back to this house and see what's doing."
1: for sure yeah right. I would love to <laughs> has,
0: has it been well received uh by uh you know shutter or uh other folks I don't know who gets to look at how many people stream I don't know it's different because I have amc plus now um oh cool I, um I, yeah they the switched over I took a shot <laughs> <laughs> well
1: that's cool uh yeah I um you know, I honestly, whenever I have something come out, I really can't look okay. at the response because it's to me like you know the people generally. I found that if people don't like something, they hopefully they're not going out of their way to tell you. I mean, and I I think if a movie like really exploded, you do get more people that are gonna find their way to you. But so luckily, it's not one of those types of, of uh, movies. But um, I feel like generally from the people that I've talked to it's it's finding that the audience that likes it and uh I also think Shudder has a lot of things that are you know definitely geared to the people that are looking for the the kill counts and the you know the blood and guts that this movie is not as blood and gutsy (laughs) as other films um and so you know I don't know if all those people are gonna love it but I really hope the people that are on board for just a kind of a fun horror comedy with a with some a little bit of romance and a little bit of goopiness like that that if they're into that that they'll enjoy it and so so far I've heard you know it's finding those people and um and I think Shudder's happy with it <laughs> they'll, you know it's, this is the unique perspective of the filmmaker you know <laughs> you don't really I I don't really want to know I guess every person that fair, doesn't like it fair. but every but but I have seen a, a good amount of people that it's that it's finding that they do like it. So that's exciting.
0: That is wonderful. One thing that I've uh, only started doing uh, during the pandemic, uh, growing up in New York, I didn't have the opportunity, but when looking for fun things to do that were safe, started taking trips to drive-ins uh, with my ladies. So if you had to pick, make a double feature to go with Sorry About the Demon, what movie would you pick?
1: Oh my God, that is such a good question. Okay, well, the first movie that comes to mind, but see, then it's like, I don't want to give the impression that I think my movie is as good as any movie. (laughs) Because, you know, if I was like Citizen Kane.
0: (laughs) Not in in quality, but for the tone, for it's like, for for a theme, like here's an entertaining way to spend your night with two movies and the snack and beverage of your choice.
1: Yes. Okay, cool. I would say, I'm going to say, well, I, w- I would like to give a horror one and I'd like to give like a romantic comedy one. <laughs>
0: Triple feature, let's make a name okay. out of it.
1: Okay. And, oh, Sorry, and, what,
0: really. and what order would you would you recommend the audience watch it? <laughs> like, well, I would say- If you-, you could go to your local Alamo and go, we're showing these three films, have at it.
1: Yeah. Um, I well, I feel like you'd go light to dark. Like you'd get like our movie would be in the middle, and then you start with romantic comedy, middle, and then you go to the horror movie. <laughs> I guess is what I would do. Um, so I would say I'd start with forgetting Sarah Marshall because it's nice. a breakup um, comedy, and that was a really big part of the genesis of the idea. And then, uh, and then our movie, okay. and then, uh, and then I'd say e- Evil Dead or or Evil Dead Two. I couldn't decide between them. So one of those, one of them.
0: that that journey makes complete sense to me
1: (laughs) i love to hear that okay perfect um was there was there a movie that you thought it was like tonally i'm
0: just curious um tonally uh like i said elvira mistress of the dark because of the comedy or elvira um haunted hills one of those because the delivery of the humor made sense to me so it's like you can the order wouldn't matter. Uh, yeah,
1: pr- I'd probably go idea. with
0: uh, Mistress of the Dark just because I've seen that more often, and probably show that first, and then sorry about the demon. But but yours that that's that's more of an afternoon kind of thing. You don't have to <laughs> wait for the sun to set at the driving. You could start with a lovely brunch and forgetting <laughs> Sarah Marshall.
1: Uh, you can I love make that ho- breakup brunch. <laughs> you can make it Hawaiian themed if you wish. <laughs> This is cool. I want to do this. Well, I don't want to watch my own movie, but I want to do the the Marshall theme (laughs) brunch.
0: I've I've just been informed because my memory is shot. Leroy and Lewis was the place where I got the Frito pie that changed my life.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Um, Um, I I want to try that.
0: If you want to go on Yelp, find out where they're at and then, you know, get some Frito pie, maybe some other barbecue and watch those three films one day. Oh, then you just drop me a line and 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 rate it against other Frito pies that you've had. Because <laughs> if there's better than Leroy and Lewis, I need to get that into my face.
1: <laughs> I'll be on the search, cool. but I, I want to try this one.
0: It was that good. So as we're winding down, is there anything you want to plug if you want to tell people where they can find you on social media? Now's the time, please.
1: Yeah, um, I'm cheesy nuggets on most things. Yeah. Um, and uh i i mean that's my social handle and um but i'm trying to spend less time on that stuff um, but you know i've been thinking about what what's a plug and so my the thing i've been plugging because it's tangentially like related to our film but not really <laughs> it's a little bit of a left field plug uh is the, so the lead two actors, uh, John Michael, who plays Will, and uh, Jeff, who we talked about, plays Patrick, um, they were part of this documentary for seven years that was about John Michael's neighbor growing up that had a traumatic brain injury and recovered from it and kind of his journey. And, and that, that was a feature-length documentary called High and Blake. And then it, but it got turned into a kind of inspirational series called Hi, I'm. And then there's like a blank and it's like different inspirational stories. And um, and they were just recently nominated for a, like a Children and Family Emmy for one of the episodes of the show. And um, it's a great show. It's a great documentary. The show is called Hi, I'm. It's produced by Magnolia and it's on HBO Max. Cool. Um, and Discovery Plus. And so it's it's a little bit related because our lead actors are very talented uh directors and filmmakers and cinematographers. Jeff is a is a cinematographer as well. And we just had such a um just you know, such a talented group of people working on this movie and um and I felt very lucky to that, you know, it all coincided during COVID and we got to make it and I hope People enjoy it. Our movie's called Sorry About the Demon. I did not work on High and Blake. <laughs> I Am Blake or the Am series. I just want to plug it for them because it's so good and they, you know, are great filmmakers.
0: It's it's always great when you've got talented friends doing good things. And uh, I'm shamelessly guilty about it myself. I always try to champion my creative pal's really good shit. It's like, hey, check it out. Get this check it's over here it's over there buy this one stream this one uh throw your money at my friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's the great thing about making movies and why I gravitated towards it so young is because it's a it's a collaborative effort it's a team effort it's not a competition uh and but it can also feel very solitary if you're writing and directing so it's, it's really nice to just find uh just other creative people to, to lift each other up and make good movies and and support each other and that's why i'm in it so
0: totally it is a beautiful thing you can find spooky doings on instagram spooky doings improv on facebook i'm at rick guzman 718 on twitter and emily thank you very much for being on the show uh i look forward to whatever your next
1: thanks for having me this is so fun Cool.
0: thank you and for everybody that's been listening thank you uh like subscribe give us that five star boop tell a friend that'll make me happy Uh, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky.